Hi, I'm Caitlin. And I'm Shyla. And this is Dark and Tipsy. You want to hear a story? <laughs> okay, guys. So, disclaimer. Before we get too dark, we try to make light of some very dark situations. We mean no disrespect to the victims or the families. We like to believe that we are bringing awareness by making dark topics palatable, but we make jokes about some sensitive topics. If you're prone to getting your panties in a wad, this probably isn't the podcast for you. So otherwise, for everyone else who's still with us, we appreciate you. Grab your drink and let's get this party started. Yeah. If we can make it through the storm, it's super uh, creepy looking outside. That's okay. Thundering we'll do like best. crazy. Um, I don't know if you heard it a while ago, but it had a big old clap. Scared the shit out of me. Ooh, no. Mm-hmm. It's setting the mood. <laughs> I got to turn my brightness down so I can actually read this story. Yeah, so. you are pretty lit. You've got some nice lighting going on. <laughs> yeah, no, you should take a few selfies. <laughs> Ooh, got to catch this real quick mm-hmm, while we're here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am covering the unsolved mystery of Camp Twenty Eight. Hmm, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard of this. What? Well, I'll figure out what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before researching on it, I hadn't either. I wanted to do an unsolved. Because I saw something about it the other day on Facebook, like just several unsolved mysteries. I was like, oh, yeah, let's do one of those. Mm-hmm. I love these. Because oh. you can contemplate and, you know, make theories and all that other stuff with these because, yeah, they're unsolved. So. This one is one that it's like, mm, you, you pretty much know who did it, but it's oh, still, okay. for whatever reason, unsolved. But it's like. Wow. You know, that's typically it. That's typically every time you watch one of these like documentaries or whatever, these unsolved, you're like, he did it. He's the killer. But they just can't put their finger on him. So, yeah, Yeah. I love these. (laughs) So this takes place in the fall of 1980. Glenna Suzanne or Sue Sharp along with her five children, left her home in Connecticut after separating from her husband, James Sharp. She decided to relocate to Northern California. So we're talking about all the way across the United mm-hmm. States here. She got up and left. She was like, Bye. She didn't move. I mean, she fucking moved. Mm-hmm. She's done. <laughs> Taking no chances. So this is where her brother Don was residing at the time. Um, in this area, not exactly right where she is. Upon arriving in California, she began renting Cabin 28 at the Keddy Resort in the rural Sierra Nevada community of Keddy. There, she resided with her 15-year-old son, John, 14-year-old daughter, Sheila, 12-year-old daughter, Tina, and two younger sons, Rick, age 10, and Greg, age 5. Wait, so that's that six? Um, Does that make six kids? I don't know. I think I lost count there for a second. Let's see. Her 15-year-old, 14-year-old, 12-year-old, 10-year-old, and 5-year-old. So five. Five. Okay, okay. That's still a lot of kids. That's still a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Relocated across the U.S. They Hell better no. have had some bedrooms in this <laughs> <laughs> cabin or whatever. Uh, well, we'll see. Okay. Um, on April 11th, 1981, 
around 1.30 p.m., Sue and Sheila, her daughter, mm -hmm. drove from Keddy to pick up John and his friend Dana from Gansner Park in Quincy, California, and brought them back to Keddy about five miles away. Two hours later, around 3.30 p.m., John and Dana hitchhiked back to Quincy, where they had plans to visit friends and, you know, hang out around town. Around this time, the two were seen in the city's downtown area. A local woman, Donna Williams, claimed to have picked them up in front of the tire store and given them a ride down the road to another friend's home. The two were later seen attending a party at Oakland Camp in Quincy. That same evening, Sheila had plans to spend the night with the Seabolt family, who lived in the adjacent cabin, while Sue remained at home with Rick, Greg, and the boy's younger friend, Justin Smart. Sheila departed cabin 28 shortly after 8 p.m., leaving her mother alone with the younger children. Tina, who had been watching television at the Seabolts, returned home to cabin 28 around 9.30 p.m. after Sheila arrived at Seabolts. So it's like, you know, one sister went over there and the other sister's like, okay, I'm going back home. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be here anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so around 7 a.m. the next morning, April 12th, Sheila returned to cabin 28 and discovered the dead bodies of Sue, John, and Dana in the cabin's living room. Oh my gosh, well, good thing mm -hmm. she did leave. Mm -hmm. All three had been bound with adhesive tape and wire. Tina was absent from the home. So, mm. while the three younger children, Rick, Greg, and Justin, were unharmed in the adjacent bedroom. Weird. Mm hmm. Initial reports stated that the three young boys had slept through the incident though this was later contradicted. Upon discovering the scene, Sheila rushed back to Seabolt's cabin where James Seabolt retrieved Nick, Greg, and Justin through the bedroom window. He later admitted to briefly entering the cabin through the back door to see if anyone was still alive, which potentially contaminated the evidence in the process. Mm. The murders of Sue, John, and Dana were notably vicious. Two bloodied knives and one hammer were found at the scene. One of the knives, a steak knife later determined to have been used uh, in the murder, had been bent in half due Ooh. to extreme force. Mm -hmm. Goodness. Somebody was, was mad. Yeah. Yeah. Blood spatter evidence from inside the home indicated that the murders of Sue, John, and Dana had all taken place in the living room. So there was it was a giant bloody mm -hmm. crime scene. Yeah, I'm kind of picturing it. So like all of the older people that were attacked were all kind of in the living room area or like this general family living area. And the kids were off in the back of the house, probably sleeping. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Sue was discovered lying on her side near the living room sofa, nude from the waist down, and gagged with a blue bandana and her own panties, which mm -hmm. had been secured with tape. She had been stabbed in the chest, her throat was slashed, and on the side of her head was an imprint matching the butt of a Daisy 880 BB gun. Hmm. John's throat was slashed, and Dana had multiple head injuries and had been manually strangled. 
All three had blunt force trauma to their heads caused by a hammer or hammers. Autopsies determined that they had died from the knife wounds and blunt force trauma. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's kind of hard to keep up with. So Tina was the only one that had her pants pulled down or like... Or, no, no, Tina's the, missing. Tina's missing. Okay, so the, the mom, mom had, the mom, that's who I'm trying to think of. Sue. Yeah, Sue. Yes. Okay. So Sue is the only one that looked like she could have potentially been like sexually Yes. Or yeah, like something different. About that later on, mm-hmm. but I mean That's yeah. Well, I mean hers just seems a little bit different than the other people that were killed. Like they went a little bit further. Like they took her underwear off, stuffed it in her mouth and then right. like, you know, so that oh, okay. That's weird. Um uh, Sheila and the Seabolt family uh, with whom Sheila had spent the night in the neighboring cabin heard no commotion during the night. A couple living nearby were awakened around 1.30 p.m. by what sounded like muffled screaming but couldn't say where it was from. Tina's mm-hmm. jacket, shoes, and a shoebox containing various tools were missing from the cabin, which showed no indication of forced entry. An unidentified fingerprint was also found on the handrail leading up to the cabin's back door, uh, as well as the cabin's telephone had been left off the hook Lats were off and drapes were closed. Hmm. So suspects were interviewed, including a man who disappeared from Ketty shortly after the murders and was later found in Oregon. After submitting to a polygraph examination, the suspect was cleared because, you know, back then they actually accepted polygraphs as. Which is crazy. Yeah. As evidence. Um, Okay, so before we go too far into, like, suspects and stuff, I'm going to give my theory. So I feel like it's someone they know just because, um, because I don't think I know the story at all. So I feel like it's someone they know because, for one, just like you said, there was no forced entry. So, like, maybe they let the person in. Um, because, and it was, maybe it was an adult that they knew because like maybe the adult was going to come over and hang out with them when the kids went to sleep or something. So like, I feel like it's someone they knew. So keep going. I want to hear. It's a good theory. Mm -hmm, Okay. mm -hmm. One of the Sharps neighbors, Marilyn Smart, who was the mother of Justin, the little boy that had stayed the night, Mm -hmm. um, who was found alive, Mm -hmm. later claimed that she had found a bloody jacket belonging to Tina in her basement and had turned it into the police, though no official record of it even exists. Oh, that really sucks. See, I wish, mm, mm, mm. see, that makes me so angry because I'd be the type of person that I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to take a picture of this, but it's only because I listen to these crimes 24-7. Right. Like, just to have my own evidence of it, be like, this actually exists. It existed. I gave it to them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. but now you can't even, it's your word against theirs. Like, exactly. you can't even prove that it was real or that you found that. <sighs> Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Her husband, Martin Smart, also claimed that a claw hammer had inexplicably gone missing from his home. Oh, no. Mm-mm. I would feel so bad. I mean, how would you know your hammer was going to be used for that? But still. Ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Plumas County Sheriff Doug Thomas, who presided over the case, later stated that Martin had provided, quote, endless clues in the case that seemed to, quote, throw the suspicion away from him. In addition to interviewing the Smarts, detectives interviewed numerous other locals and neighbors, several including members of the Seabolt family, recalled seeing an unknown green van parked at the Sharps cabin around 9 p.m. Others recalled noticing a brown Datsun parked at the residence that evening, which appeared to have a tire that was going flat. Hmm. Well, uh, the tires going flat. Wow. It's not a good getaway vehicle. I know. I'm like, where, <laughs> where is it going? <laughs> I don't think it was really that important. I don't know. But the green uh, van sounds kind of, you know, mm-hmm. interesting. Justin gave conflicting stories of the evening, including that he had dreamt details of the murders, though he later claimed to have actually witnessed them. Hmm. In his latter accounts of events, told under hypnosis, he claimed to have heard sounds coming from the living room while watching television in the bedroom with Rick and Greg. Investigation or Investigating these sounds, he saw Sue with two men, one with a mustache and short hair, the other clean-shaven with long hair, both wearing glasses. Hmm. According to Justin, John and Dana had entered the home and began heatedly arguing with the men. A fight ensued, after which Tina entered the room and was taken out of the cabin's back door by one of the men. So this is what Justin is saying under hypnosis. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Have you ever had like a memory like that as a kid? I mean, obviously this was a traumatic memory, but have you ever had a memory like that that you couldn't remember if it was real or if like you dreamt it or, you mm-hmm. know, I've I've had several of those that were kind mm-hmm. of traumatic in that way and I wasn't sure. <laughs> and then someone right. else would be like, no, that actually happened. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I have but, some that I'm like, I don't want to know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I have one about uh, spiders and daddy long legs when I was a kid. Oh. I blocked it out because I thought it wasn't real. But apparently <laughs> I had a cousin that was like, no, that actually happened. And I was like, oh, no. Someone put them in the shower with us. <laughs> Hell no. I know. Yeah, no, it was very traumatizing, especially for an eight-year-old. <laughs> Yeah, I've been a naked eight-year-old. Anything I could get my hands on. You're just like the two little girls showering, and then then they put these spiders in there, and you're freaking out. Oh my god! Yeah, no, it was bad. I think we grabbed towels immediately and like (laughs) shimmied our way out of the (laughs) the shower. Oh god. Oh well. Back to the story. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry. Based on Justin's descriptions, composite sketches of the two unknown men were produced by forensic artist Harlan Embry. In press release accompanying the sketches, the suspects were described as being tall, or just kidding, as being in their (laughs) late 20s. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) The suspects were described as being in their late 20s, early 30s. One stood Anywhere from five feet eleven to six foot two, with that's dark blonde tall. hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other one's not as tall, oh, so okay. that's why I was like, "Oh, let me take that." Never back. mind. <laughs> Just kidding. He's short. <laughs> that's funny. 
Um, so the tallish one had dark blonde hair, and the other was between 5'6 and 5'10, with blacked greased hair, and both wore gold-framed glasses. Mm, they sound like a... I don't know. They sound like... When do you know when this took place? Like what year? Nineteen eighty. Oh yeah, they sound like the typical like dudes from back then. You know, with the big frame, mm-hmm. gold glasses, and the mustache, the pedo <laughs> mustache. Yeah. yeah, no, that's hmm. exactly that that time period mm-hmm. description. So rumors regarding the crimes being ritualistic and motivated by drug trafficking trafficking were dismissed by Plumas County Sheriff Doug Thomas, who stated in the week following the murders that no drug paraphernalia or illegal drugs were found in the home. Hmm. Carla McMullen, a family acquaintance, later told detectives that Dana, the, you know, the friend of one Mm -hmm. of them, had recently stolen an unknown quantity of LSD from a local drug dealer, though she was unable to prove this claim. So, whatever, you know, hearsay, mm-hmm, like, oh, mm-hmm. they were doing, you know, they were doing drugs. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, like, mind your business, Karen. Karen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mind your business. <laughs> so, about 4,000 man hours were spent working the case, which Thomas described as, quote, frustrating, obviously. In December of 1983, detectives ruled out serial killers Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole as potential suspects. But obviously the case was still unsolved, even though they were able to rule them out. Mm -hmm. Because Tina was believed to have been abducted from the crime scene, her disappearance was initially investigated by the FBI, though it was reported uh, April 29th, 1981, that the FBI had, quote, backed off the search as the Department of Justice was doing a, quote, adequate job and, quote, made the FBI's presence unnecessary. Hmm. Okay, mm. well, mm. well, the debatable, but all right. Yeah, why not team up and figure it out together? I know. I mean, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. And two, it's still unsolved, so obviously, like, it needs a little bit of help. <laughs> exactly. A grid pattern search of the area covering five mile radius around the cabin was conducted with police canines, but the efforts were fruitless. Mm-hmm. On April 22nd, 1984, three years and 11 days after the murders and Tina's disappearance, a bottle collector discovered a cranium portion of a human skull and part of a mandible at Camp 18 near Feather Falls in neighboring Butte County, a distance of roughly 80 to 100 miles from Ketty. that's like a scary movie like every time you see one of those shows when they find like a skull or something they always find a detached mandible like Mm -hmm. you know first and then they find the skull and no Mm -mm. i would freak out oh definitely me too i'd have a cat i'd be thinking it was like a prop you know for halloween decoration see no and i'd be next to you i'd be like bitch it's not a prop don't you remember (laughs) in all the stories we listen to they always think it's a fucking mannequin it's not a prop prop. yeah it's not a mannequin (laughs) walk away (laughs) call the police do something (laughs) don't touch it anything just don't do that just don't touch it of Mm -hmm. all things please thank you (laughs) Uh, so, 
Shortly after announcing the discovery, Butte County Sheriff's Office remain, uh, received an anonymous, an anonymous call an anonymous? That, I, <laughs> that identified the remains as belonging to Tina. So mm. somebody literally called in and was like, hey, that skull you found, that's Tina's. Like, what? who the fuck would know that? Like, um, unless you did it, like, mm-hmm. or someone know? told you or mm-hmm. like, you know, okay. Hmm. Yep. But the call was not documented in the case. Oh, okay. First the jacket, <laughs> now the call. I'm starting to see a pattern here and I don't like mm-hmm. it and I don't like where this is going. Mm-mm. Yep. Mm-mm. A recording of this call was found at the bottom of an evidence box at some point after 2013. Ugh, come on, guys. Get it mm-hmm. together. So, in 1984, all the way in 2013, they just found this at the bottom of the box whenever somebody else was assigned to the case. They're like, oh, what's this? Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Horrible. The remains were confirmed by forensic pathologists to be those of Tina Sharp. Near the remains, detectives also discovered a blue nylon jacket, a blanket, a pair of Levi Strauss jeans with a missing back pocket, and an empty surgical tape dispenser. Mm. And there was tape on the other people at mm-hmm. the like actual crime scene, so mm-hmm. maybe they could be the same. Maybe so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> In 1996... Robert Joseph Silvera Jr. was examined as a potential suspect in the murders. The cabin in which the murders occurred was demolished in 2004. Of course. Mm-hmm. In a 2008 documentary on the murders, Marilyn Smart claimed that she suspected, so the, the lady from earlier, mm-hmm. she suspected that her husband, Martin, and his friend John Bo Bobeed Bobeed or Boobie. I don't bumpkin know. Bumpkin ass name. Bobie Dobie. <laughs> Who knows? Billy Joe Bob. <laughs> God. Um she thought that they were responsible for the murders of Sue, John, and Dana. Ju- Sue, John, Dana, and Tina. So she's just snitching on her husband? Like she's just mm, throwing him under the bus. At this point. Oh, okay, okay. But, Makes sense. She was like, I done have enough of his ass, and I'm uh, <laughs> I'm ready to tell the real tea. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all gonna find out today. Mm-hmm. So, um, Marilyn claimed that on the evening of the crimes, she had left Martin and Bodie Boobdy Hoody <laughs> at the local bar around 11 p.m. and returned home to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, because I feel so like, who, why, why would you do that to your child? But anyways, (laughs) it's his last name. Oh, (laughs) but still, I'd be like, hell no, I'm not giving you your daddy's name or, you know, we'd have to come up with something. (laughs) So we're going to call him John Bow from Mm, now. There we go. Okay. (laughs) That's better because I'll laugh every fucking time you try to pronounce it. It's hell. Okay. <laughs> so she said she had left him at the local bar around 11 p.m. and returned home to go to sleep. Around 2 a.m., 
on April 12th, she stated that she woke up to find the two burning an unknown item in the wood stove. Mm-hmm. Additionally, she alleged that Martin, quote, hated Johnny Sharp with a passion. Hmm. However, in the 2008 documentary, Sheriff Doug Thomas said that he had personally interviewed Martin and that Martin had passed a polygraph examination. Again with that. Oh, my gosh. Okay, a Valium can help you pass a polygraph examination. Mm -hmm. Like, I even, I've never even taken one, and I know that just from watching, you know, like, you can fake it. You can, some people. That's why they're, you know, inadmissible now. Because they're like, oh, well, maybe those are a little inaccurate. Yeah, no, I mean, people literally, like, sociopaths (laughs) don't know the difference between real life and their own lies. So they can, you know, pass with flying colors. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that they're bullshit. So, whatever, dude. But It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, um, the Martin Smart, the guy who, you know, passed polygraph, mm-hmm. died of cancer in Portland, Oregon in June of 2000. <sighs> Could he uh-huh. not, like, leave us a deathbed confession? Like, I did it. I didn't do it. <laughs> well, we're not done yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, also, John Bowe. Mm-hmm. who allegedly had ties to the crime, died in 1988. Mm. Oh, fuck y'all both. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't go live down. that long afterwards because the crime mm-hmm. happened in 1984. Mm-hmm. Maybe some mm-hmm. karma for their asses. Exactly. Guilty conscience. <laughs> yeah, something. Them. So there was a lot of rumors, though, that this sheriff, Doug Thomas, mm-hmm. was helping to cover up the murders Mm -hmm. because he was supposedly close friends with Martin Sharp. Of course. Of course Mm -hmm. he's friends with Martin Sharp and Billy Bob. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, they're all fucking backwoods cousins from the trailer park. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my god, no. This is not. Looking at you, Dougie. Mm -hmm. Looking at you. Looking at you. And, you know, like we were talking about how it just so happens that we we're at they're like, you know, we never received that note of the jacket or we never. The call. The, and, the call. Yeah. yeah. Never opened that into evidence. We just put it in the bottom of a box. Mm. Mm. Somebody, something is going on here. Somebody's Real covering something up. Convenient. On March 24th of 2016, a hammer matching the description of the hammer Martin claimed to have lost was discovered in a local pond and taken into evidence by Plumas County Special Investigator Mike Gamberg. Hmm. Plumas County Sheriff Hagwood, who was 16 years old at the time of the murders and knew the Sharp family, personally stated... Quote, the location it was found, it would have been intentionally put there. It would not have been accidentally misplaced. Hmm. Interesting. So Gamberg also stated that at the time, six potential suspects were being examined. In a 2016 article published by the Sacramento Bee detailing the discovery of the hammer shortly after the murders, Martin had left Ketty... And driven to Reno, Nevada. So now they're going back to Martin and they're like, oh, by the way, he did this. Mm-hmm. So it says that he uh, left Ketty, driven to Reno, Nevada. From there, he sent a letter to Marilyn. Um, talking about some personal struggles in their marriage. 
Hmm. And this said, quote, I've paid the price of your love, and now I've bought it with four people's lives, and now you tell me we are through, question mark. Mm. So I paid the price for your love, and now I have bought it with four people's lives. Now you tell me we're through. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. So, hmm, mm, mm, mm. That uh, sounds very telling. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I, hmm, hmm, I wonder if there was like a love triangle going on somehow, some way. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it actually wouldn't be a triangle. It'd be like a, I don't know, what, what would it, <laughs> like a pentagon or something? Mm-hmm. How many people were involved in this? But, okay, anyway. In 2016 interview, Gamberg stated that the letter was, quote, overlooked. So just like everything else in this case. It was overlooked in the initial investigation and never admitted into evidence. Oh, my God. He later criticized the quality of the initial investigation, saying, quote, you could take some just coming out of the academy, someone just coming out of the academy, and they'd have done a better job. Like, no shit. These (laughs) these people on this case were just total shit. A counselor who Martin regularly visited would also allege that he had admitted to the murders of Sue and Tina, but claimed, quote, I didn't have anything to do with the boys. Hmm. He allegedly told the counselor that Tina was killed to prevent her from identifying as she had, quote, witnessed the whole thing. Oh. So... The therapist did go to the police about it mm-hmm. and told them, because, you know, that's not something you can keep to yeah. yourself. If you are a therapist, if you admit to murder, mm-hmm. and they didn't do anything with it still. Oh, my God. Somebody is covering it up. They have to be. Uh, This is, yeah, because, I mean, if not, the stupidity is just, like, someone needs to be fucking fired, like, fired, because this is just insane, like, you're fired, (laughs) you need to go, (laughs) this is so bad, I can't, I just, no. Yeah. The last bit of information found on this was in April of 2018, Gamberg stated that DNA evidence was recovered from a piece of tape at the crime scene, did match that of a known living suspect, but there has no been no updates since then. Mm. Oh, I don't know if that was just a dead end and, it, you know, something happened. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, they state anyone with information is asked to call the Plumas County Sheriff's Office. At the request of Plumas County, Secret Witness has posted a $5,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and prosecution. Hmm. Um, tips can also be left online at www.secretwitness.com or texted to 847411. Tip 411. Um, there was a movie to, in 2008 called The Strangers. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. Um, it, it had details that of uh, like a, a couple that was ambushed in a rural vacation home mm-hmm. by three masked assailants brought it brought renewed interest to the case resulting from internet bloggers who drew comparisons between the events depicted in the film and the Ketty murders however the film made no claims to the events and was only vaguely marketed as having been quote inspired by true events the same year an independent film 
chronicling the murders titled Cabin 28 was released. The incident was also covered in an episode of web series BuzzFeed Unsolved in, two, in a season two. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like I've seen like a... Because I used to watch BuzzFeed Unsolved a lot, but I've kind of taken a break on it just because I binged watched it for a while. And um, I, I want to say that I've seen like a... It's either, like, the thumbnail or something of, like, a cabin that's been burnt mm-hmm. down or something. And I always, I think I put it for my watch for later, so I'll have to go and watch it now. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of movies, so, you know how last week we talked about the Candyman? The Candyman movie that freaked the, me out or whatever. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was like, we talked about the Candy Lady. But yeah, yeah, no. No, I what you're talking <laughs> we about. We talked about the movie too, bitch. Uh, <laughs> you just have selective memory. No. I'm no, I know. It's the wine or the alcohol, whatever you're drinking at the moment. That's what right, it is. Yeah. And we say so much shit on here. There's like no... <laughs> I can't even remember half the shit I say. <laughs> so... <clears throat> The Candyman, but there is a new movie. I just figured that out. I didn't know that last time we talked about it. And there's a new movie, and it's supposed to come out on October 16th. And I watched the trailer for it. And I think, so it's a little bit different than what I remember as a kid. Um, I did remember that, like, the plot was pretty good, but the one thing I didn't remember was that apparently you have to say his name, like, five times in the mirror, and then he comes and gets you with, like, whatever insects, like, the bees, whatever the fuck he does. I know. So, in this one, there's a guy who's a painter, and he somehow becomes possessed by the Candyman, I think is kind of the plot, and I'm kind of here for it, so I think maybe we'll watch it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we can watch it. We'll have like a, I don't know. Maybe we can do a reactions video or something. We'll get drunk and watch it. And, yeah. Or I don't know. Yeah. We'll do something. Because I don't do know. That. I don't know if people want to watch us watch a movie for an entire hour, but maybe we could watch true. like scary clips or we'll figure it out. We'll do something. We can do the movie and then like clip out the parts where we're like jumping and you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or reacting. we could just do a like a we could talk over it later, like how you know, like and take I don't know, we'll figure it out. We'll talk about it. But yeah, we'll maybe we'll later. do something with that. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. Because if we try to figure it out on the podcast, this is they're gonna be like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, we'll be here <laughs> for, here for 45 minutes. Yeah, we've had... Mm-mm, mm-mm. Not when alcohol is involved. It's not a good idea to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but I'm here for it, so I think I want to watch it. But you know what? It kind of, it kind of reminds me of, like, Bloody Mary. Now, did you ever That's play those games as a kid? I didn't, you know. Me either. But... It was, as soon as you said that about saying his name in the mirror, that was like, oh, yeah, like Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's what it made me think of. But I, yeah, no, I never played shit like that. I was always too scared. I was like, mm-mm. I am not about to call the candy man to come get my ass. Hell like, no. you don't, <laughs> you done lost it. Like, I am not doing that. That is. Or any of them, no, for that matter. Yeah, Bloody I, Mary, none of them. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, you, you, that just. <laughs> just gonna invite them into your home i know that's what my little brain would always go to i'm like you're kidding me right like you're calling him to come get you like or them whoever like you've got to you've got me fucked up no way (laughs) like this is not happening i would never that's mm -mm. Mm -mm. did you see that thing i sent you about the candle 
And it's like if you have um, entities uh, at your door that are waiting to come in, they have to be invited in. And if you put a candle in the floor mm-hmm. and if it if it blows out, um, there is an entity there that wants in mm-hmm. but can't get in. If it tips over, there's already an entity in your house. Oh, no. I don't want to know. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Because <laughs> right. mine's going to then- tip over. <laughs> <laughs> right and then I'm if serious. it doesn't do anything there's no entity there but no yo I got some bad <laughs> juju going on in my house I think I've told you this in private before and I won't speak of it right now because I'm in my house recording <laughs> and I refuse to bring it life but um Sounds yeah mm-hmm. it'd be freaking me the fuck out my yeah I'll just be hearing noises and shit and I'm like what the fuck was that <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's been interesting, <laughs> but, ah, maybe that's for a story for another day. Yeah. Ooh, maybe I'll try it. No, I'm scared. I was going to say know. I'll try it, but I'm scared. I was like, we can do it together, but then I'm like, I don't want to. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm like, maybe in somebody else's house, not at my own. I don't want to know. It's too scary. Yeah, Dylan. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) We could like record it or something. I don't know. We could do something like that. Yeah. Ooh. Mm -mm. I don't like messing with ghosts or any type of paranormal shit. That's a totally different realm. I don't like messing with stuff I can't see. (laughs) Yeah, I know. uh, It's fun to watch and i like watching stuff about it and hearing ghost stories and stuff like that but mm-mm. when it comes to my Not own, in your house, own experience <laughs> yes exactly no you can't even get me to go to like a haunted a fake haunted house like during october when they have mm-hmm. the you know haunted houses no i i just can't i can't deal with stuff like that i don't like stuff that's like hidden and then it pops out at you i don't like anything scary anything that's gonna make me jump I don't fucking yeah. want it. I don't want it in my life. I'm not trying to have a heart attack. <laughs> like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Mm-mm. But it's a whole nother thing in your own house because then you still have to live there and think yes. about it every day. Yes. Like, no. You'd have to move. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I see. I just live in denial. I just try to block it out. <laughs> yeah. It's the refrigerator. Uh-huh. It's making eyes. Uh-huh. No, seriously. <laughs> It's the dog. It's the dog. But the dog's sitting next to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Don't kill me in my sleep, please. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, so random question. But I've seen, like, I don't know. I've seen a few different true crime posts that talk about different killers last meals like if they you know when they're on death row they get their last meals and stuff so question mm-hmm. for you what do you think would be your last meal if you were on Ooh. death row hmm. it's a good question isn't it so you think about it and i'm gonna because i kind of thought about it before we started so I feel like I would probably go for like some crab legs. I was gonna say crab legs with and like shrimp. yeah, with something fried, like some sort of fried shrimp, like coconut shrimp or something. And like mm. oh, okay, so Wingstop fries are a must, and their <laughs> their ranch. Oh shit, yeah, we gotta include that. That's important. I gotta go out with that. Um. Let's see. I don't know. I don't know what else. I would probably go with something green, like maybe some coleslaw or like something on the side. I don't know. Something. Mm. 
I don't know, have to really think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Guacamole. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, probably. That sounds about right. I'd do all kinds of shit. I'd mix and match it up because, like, oh, if yeah. it's the Big last thing I got. Out meal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who cares if you feel like shit? After? I know. <laughs> because maybe I'll just be thinking about my stomach ache instead of the shit that they're about to pump into my veins. <laughs> you <Right>. know? <laughs> I can just be worried about that instead. Be like, man, I'm dysentery. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be sitting there thinking, I'm going to shit myself when they give this to me. <laughs> That's going to be the last thing they remember. <laughs> Good. I'm sure you don't want like them very much right i mean not that some of the you know these people probably deserve everything they've gotten but oh yeah just for comedy sake that's pretty funny that's what i would be thinking about because i'm one of those people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm vindictive if i were if i had got gone to i don't know what i would do that would get me something like that but yeah no, I'd definitely be like, yeah, now you got to deal with this big old shit that I just took on the table after you just killed me. Oh, God, that's horrible. I don't even want to picture that. Have fun with that. this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just leave one last present as you go out. Like. <laughs> right as soon as they're about to like, inject you, hey, I got a present for you. Mm-hmm. Have fun. <laughs> oh, God, that would be. Mm-mm. I need another drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a woo. It's a little much. I don't know how we got there. That's <laughs> enjoy. Yeah, everybody listening. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> Hopefully you're not like eating or something. God. If okay. they can listen to details about gruesome murders that's while they're true. eating. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> okay, so have you seen that video of that girl and she's like sitting in her car like eating tacos and she's listening to a true crime podcast and she's like, yeah. people that are sitting next to me while I'm listening to true crime. <laughs> he was killed with an axe and a hammer. <laughs> and like, it's just going on and on <laughs> about hearts were froze and eaten over the next several mm-hmm. months and she's but- just eating her tacos <laughs> and the people next to her are like what the fuck what is going on over there that's me in real life daily definitely going mm, up to the drive-thrus and they're like mm-hmm. okay so we're gonna talk about some viral videos since we're on this so have you seen <laughs> this one's just funny but have you seen these viral videos of people kissing through masks no. That's the funniest shit. <laughs> I'm just ashamed. <laughs> that is the funniest shit I've ever seen. Like, okay, guys, <laughs> I know we're going through something <laughs> and you're going through something, obviously. But, and I know there needs to be a new normal now, but like, come on, guys. That is fucking weird. That's just weird. Like, we don't need it's, to do that. It is. <laughs> Stop. Need, like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like an Eskimo kiss through a mask. Like, I don't get what's going on. <laughs> just why? Just take it off. If you want to kiss somebody, just take it Take it off. If you're willing to take that risk, then, you know, go for it. Yeah, But don't, right. like, be Eskimo kissing in front of everybody with your masks on. It's really weird and someone's going to record you and we're all going to have to watch it. <laughs> So just don't, please and thank you. <laughs> uh, so speaking of viral videos as well, have you seen the girl that 
went live uh, she did a facebook live after being kidnapped and it's like she's talking to her mom and it's gone like all over the internet no okay so i'm gonna play an audio clip of it really quickly just so you can hear it and everyone else kind of knows what i'm talking about as well mom mom are you there hello Mom, if you can hear me, please say something. I really need to hear your voice. Something's happened. I I was out taking those pictures of animals. And and this, this guy came out of nowhere. This is the same guy. Okay, so that's probably far enough because she just continues to keep going on. Mm-hmm. It says there's a couple of parts of it too. Yes. So a lot of people were kind of questioning, like you did, like, what is this? Is she calling her mom? Like, why are you making a Facebook live video instead of calling the police or sending your location to somebody? And when I first saw it, I was kind of, you know, I didn't want to be too quick to judge, mm-hmm. but I did some more research and some more things have come out within the last few days. She has been found, but get this, this bitch was never missing. Never kidnapped? Never missing, never kidnapped, faked the entire fucking thing. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> like, to the extent that her family thought that she was kidnapped as well yeah like she's an such an asshole because <laughs> could you imagine doing that to your own mom like putting her through the grief Hell of thinking no. that you've been kidnapped she'd beat my ass yeah like and if, if you were found she oh yeah my mom would beat the shit out of me like <laughs> oh god Oh, no. So her family and friends are really upset with her actions, and they had no idea she was faking her own kidnapping. She was holed up in, like, an Airbnb somewhere and didn't tell them, and she had been, you know, quote-unquote, missing for a few days prior to her releasing this Facebook Live video. And they have pretty much, her family has said that they're disgusted with her actions and they are disowning her, her sister specifically. I think she has a twin sister, actually, which has got to be hard being a twin with Mm -hmm. a sister who's so, like, because you've got to be mentally ill or something's wrong with you for you to do something like this. Like, you want the attention or, you know, like... Mm, that's so, not the, the right kind of attention to be seeking no, like, I understand mm-mm. people want attention but what the hell I know and some people will go to links to whether it's bad or good attention they'll go to links in order to achieve that and it's it's kind of sad you know mm-hmm. it, is the heart is the sad part and so they also the family has also said that they you know hoped that no black man in particular with a maroon car was targeted either because of her you know, making those claims that a black man in particular describing this guy and saying he had a maroon car, they were, you know, just saying, like, hopefully no one was actually targeted because of her dumb ass for making right. claims like that. And exactly. so they're really upset with her for making all of these false accusations. And, you know, they're kind of throwing her under the bus at this point. Because 
this was a big deal. Not only was law law enforcement involved, but the FBI also got involved. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people were concerned about her, and she was kind of a butthole for doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I'm curious to see if she'll actually get in trouble for it. We'll see. I don't know what you could actually... You know, what charges could be brought up on her, like maybe making false statements to the police. But I think that's even a misdemeanor. So it's kind of like, mm, mm-hmm. but it's just a really shitty story. <laughs> yeah, that should be something. I mean, there was there had to have been, you know, man hours put into, OK, we got to find yeah. this girl. Like Exactly. When they could be using their time to do other things and actually look for other people and, mm-hmm. you know, for actual missing people, not people who are faking <laughs> so, hiding in their closet making yes a hiding in an cloud. airbnb girl you should be ashamed mm-hmm. you need jesus i don't know if jesus could fix that actually <laughs> i don't know i don't know so okay so that was pretty much it for all of my talking points if we want to get into this week's topic Let's do it. Cool. So this is an extension of last week's topic where we talked about the disappearance and death of Vanessa Guillen. If you haven't already heard the story of Vanessa Guillen, please go back and listen to episode 13 to understand today's topic. Because today we're going to be talking about an army base called Fort Hood and the suspicious deaths taking place and the possible cover-ups going on there. Just know that everything I talk about today is just the tip of the iceberg, and I believe that there is much more going on than what meets the eye. So, let's get a little bit of background on Fort Hood. Fort Hood is a United States Army base located in Killeen, Texas. According to Wikipedia, (laughs) Fort Hood was originally created Due to the military's need for wide open spaces, they needed some room to make some big mistakes. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh I know, I had to throw it in there because as soon as I read that, I just started singing, they needed wide open spaces, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's immediately what I thought of when I read that. It cracked me up. So I had to throw that in. Um, But anyways, I digress. (laughs) Uh, They needed all this space to test and train with World War II tanks. Fort Hood covers 200,000 acres, making it one of the largest military bases in the world. Now, to get to the suspicious deaths happening and possible cover-ups. In the last few months, four Fort Hood soldiers have been found dead, including Vanessa Guillen, Mayhor Marta, Gregory Morales, and Brandon Scott. So number one is Private Mayhor Morta's death is the most recent of the four. He was 26 years old. His body was found unresponsive on July 17th near Stillhouse Lake, located near the base. I'm not sure how long he was missing for prior to his body being found because there have been several different sources say several different things. So I've seen... As short as one day, and I've seen one that said as long as two months. So I'm really not sure and don't want to jump to conclusions on that. But what I do know is that the Army never put out a missing persons report for him. 
or never changed his status to AWOL or just never did anything when it came to reporting him as missing. Uh, yeah, so his death is being investigated and they haven't said whether or not they suspect foul play. And I believe they're waiting for an autopsy and Bell County Sheriff is investigating the death. So that's a good thing that it's not just the army, but I also believe that most likely the FBI will be involved in some of these other cases as well, just because of the, I guess, the amount of media coverage that's going on. I really think that the FBI will most likely get involved as well since they've gotten involved in Vanessa's case, so. Surely. Yeah, because, I mean, I think that that suggests that there could be, I don't know, wrongdoing on the Army's part when it comes to investigating their own crimes, so why would you allow them to continue to investigate these other crimes as well? I would just think that someone would step in if they found that there's been some sort of wrongdoing on their behalf, yeah, you know? definitely. Um, Especially when there's been so many of them. Like, yeah. Exactly. When do they step in, if not now? Exactly. Yeah. Because he, that's all we really know about Mayhor Morta and that, that was really it, that he was just found. Um, so he was just found near Kate, near the lake, near the base. And that's all they've really said, that he was just unresponsive. I want to say the, the lake is like a certain amount from the base but i think that's not really the point the point is is that all of these soldiers from this specific base are dying and going missing um mm -hmm. now they all go missing within a short distance of the base it's not within a drive's distance and yeah but the point i don't think the point is where they're found it's just the fact that all of these soldiers from the same place are dying Right, for, exactly. you know, unknown reasons so the second person that we're going to talk about is gregory morales his body was found June 19th, 2020, during the search for Vanessa Guillen's body. He was found just miles outside of the Fort Hood base. Prior to his body being found, the Army jumped to conclusions saying that Gregory had gone AWOL. They refused to search for his body, although his family insisted something was wrong. It was unlike Gregory to just not show up. So, he went missing August 20th, 2019. He was set to begin his discharge paperwork the following day. He wanted to go on to use his GI Bill to continue his education at a technical school in Galveston or Houston. So, I don't know about you, but I'm not buying this story that the Army is trying to sell here. Because you're telling me he decided to go AWOL immediately before he was getting ready to re be released from the Army? Right. No. No. Like, you don't go AWOL. You're pr I'm sure you're probably excited, especially if you are planning to go on and do other things outside of the army, you know? Yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah. That's just a little fucking weird. But now that his body has been found, there's still a debate over whether or not he should be buried with military honors. The family is hoping, so the family is hoping that he can be buried at Fort Gibson National Cemetery with his uncle and eventually his grandfather. But being that when Gregory went missing, the army gave him the status of being a wall, they claim they cannot take further action on changing the status until an autopsy is complete and the cause and time of death are determined. 
Mm. Yeah, so until his status is changed, Gregory is still unable to be buried with military honors. So at the moment, that hasn't changed. And yeah, but I mean, I'll give them this. It, it hasn't been that long since I think he was found. So they have a little bit of time before we can start saying, you know, they're just being assholes and holding up the investigation. And, you know, because I feel like... What they're trying to prove is whether or not he went missing. Like, if he died that day that he went missing, because then that would prove that he didn't actually go AWOL. You know, like, he didn't run away. He died, mm-hmm. you know? like, mm-hmm. And I, I just don't know what the difference is, though, because what if he was kidnapped for 10 days after, you right, know? Exactly. Like, you don't know what happened during that time. I don't see why it makes much of a difference, but whatever so number three is brandon ross cranes he was found deceased on may 18th 2020 he suffered from a gunshot wound and they didn't say where i couldn't find anywhere they didn't say his head his chest anything just a fatal gunshot wound and his jeep was set on fire and brandon was found 13 miles from the base so his jeep and him were separate so his body and his Jeep that was set on fire were in two different locations. And I believe the Jeep was specifically 13 miles from the base. Mm. So his death is being investigated as a homicide and it's still ongoing. He was 27 years old at the time of his death, along with the most. Oh, so. That he's number three, and they, they're still, all of these are still ongoing. So we don't really have very much information about what happened to them, whether or not, you know, the army is involved in their deaths or what the correlation, if there is any that's happening here between them. But I mean, I think the correlation is, is that they're all from the same damn place. And why are all these soldiers just popping up dead? And right. it just doesn't make any. It doesn't make any sense. That's enough of a connection between mm-hmm. them right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Vanessa Guillen obviously makes number four that has been found within the last few months. So, yeah, uh, let's see. Along with the most recent deaths that have been brought to light, Fort Hood is also known for its violent past. And they have a repeat or they have repetitively, as we have seen and we will see, gone on to neglect their soldiers and their well-being because all uh specifically Vanessa Guillen's case could have been prevented very much so just with the line and chain of command if it would have worked like it was supposed to none of that should have ever happened to her and we're going to talk about how sometimes the chain of command within the army doesn't work and why we need this bill that they're trying to pass for Vanessa. Because that's another thing that I actually watched today. I watched a video of Vanessa Guillen's family meeting with Trump. And um, it was pretty, it was, it was a good, what what is it, press conference? I don't, I don't know what you call it. But it, it just seemed like it was a good awareness. It was <laughs> fuck i can't even find I get my what words you're trying to say yeah they were <laughs> they brought awareness to what they needed to the conversation was good it was it seemed like it went in the right direction they talked about the i am vanessa Guillen bill 
Um, they brought attention to her death. They brought attention to some of these other people's death throughout the conversation as well. They talked about Gregory Morales. Um, they also talked about a sex ring that we're going to talk about here in a minute. They brought that up as well. And so I'm hoping that they can really get some stuff done. So hopefully if you can, I don't know if there's anything else that we can do in the sense of helping getting that bill passed, because I think at this point it just has to go before lawmakers and there needs to be a vote. Don't really think it's a, you know, whether or not we can sign a petition to help get it passed Uh or anything, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was pretty, it was, I I cried. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm being honest, when I watched it, I cried because I felt really bad just for their mom and for the sisters and stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, guys, I'm so sorry. It's a bad, sad ordeal. It is. And it's just, yeah, this, they need to be held accountable for this. And I'm hoping that that's what that conversation will do. At the very least, you know, bring accountability to the army and then have that bill passed to continually have this happen. Because what it what that bill is about, I believe, is about um, sexual harassment and sexual assault and different crimes of that nature. And that way they can be investigated by someone other than the army. So, like, if a soldier had to report that they were being sexually harassed by someone above them, they didn't have to go to that person above them and report them to themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, because, like, who's going to do that? Or you're going to report your chain of commands buddy, like, because his buddy's harassing you, or you get what I'm saying? Like, it's a Mm -hmm. buddy-buddy system, and a lot of times it doesn't work the way that it should, so... Back to the actual story and not my sidetrack about the press conference <laughs> today. I don't know where my words went there. I was like, blah, 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 blah. I just couldn't even <laughs> fucking, <laughs> couldn't even spit it out. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I love that meme. That's freaking hilarious. Uh, or the, um, the really religious guy is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Have you seen that? There are all types yeah. of memes about Jesus Christ. I love that. It's hilarious. So <laughs> there have also been two mass shootings on this base as well. There was one in 2009, which I didn't get a whole lot of information on just because there are several different things we're going to talk about. But I found it interesting that the guy who actually did the shooting in 2009 he was also a psychologist for the army Mm. so that's pretty it's just weird it's just you would figure he'd be one of the most sane people there and he Mm -hmm. decided to go ape shit and he sure did everybody's problems maybe or maybe they were too much for him to handle you know maybe he was keeping too many secrets he couldn't Mm. deal with and Mm -hmm. he killed 13 people and wounded 32 others he was found guilty and charged and sentenced to death Mm. Mm -hmm. yes i know he was sentenced to death in 2013 in august 23rd of 2013 so the second shooting occurred on in 2014. So on April 2nd, 2014, a shooting spree occurred at several locations on the Fort Hood base, leaving 3 people dead and 16 other wounded uh, 16 others wounded. The gunman then died from a self-inflicted gunshot. He was later identified as 34-year-old Ivan Lopez. 
and the motives for his shootings, this is kind of like a bit, little bit of background. Lopez was allegedly upset over financial issues and death and the deaths of his grandfather and then his mother during a two to five month period prior to the shooting. So he was also undergoing regular psychiatric treatment for depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder. He tried to take leave in order to attend his mother's funeral in Puerto Rico. It took five days for leave to be approved, but he was only allowed to be absent for 24 hours, which allegedly upset him. Also, Lopez had asked for a transfer, claiming that he was being taunted and picked on by other soldiers in his unit. During, um, oh, okay, so that's not important. But yeah, so he, uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But he, th- those are the reasons, allegedly, why he could have possibly done this shooting. Which is interesting to me, because I think that just says something about the culture at Fort Hood. Like, the, yeah, the culture is what I'm looking for, is the word I'm looking for. Basically, that there's a lack of care for the soldiers like this guy sounded like he had a lot of mental problems Mm -hmm. you know he sounds like he has a lot of issues when it came to ptsd and um depression and anxiety and all of those things are no excuse for what he did in any way shape or form but ptsd is a real problem um And also just the fact that he was seeking psychiatric care and his mother had died and they only gave him 24 hours for leave to see her. And she's in Puerto Rico. He couldn't even make it there and back in 24 hours. They probably didn't even have a plane leaving. And after five days at that, like, Mm -hmm. why did it take so long? Well, and it just seems like there's a certain um, level of lack of care for these people Mm -hmm. who live on this base, whether it's just trying to cover up that someone did a sexual assault or trying to, you know, not give these soldiers the leave that they need or, you know, like he said, the other soldiers were picking on him. He was being taunted and picked on. And I know that that's kind of an issue within the military is hazing and things. I mean, within different, you know, if you're not necessarily following along with their rules, like, yeah, kind of like Vanessa was afraid of, you know, Vanessa was afraid to report it because she was afraid of backlash or retaliation. And that's kind of the same thing. You know, if you seek help, you may receive backlash from other people, from your peers saying like, you're weak or you're whatever for going to see a psychologist or Mm -hmm. you know and that's just not how it should be like if they're gonna be brothers and sisters and work within the military i think that we should have a better system to support them you know right sure it's just kind of all of it's really sad all the way around so during a press conference on the day of the shooting fort fort hood commander mark milley stated that lopez died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound so he died before they were able to give him the death penalty because that's probably what would have happened. Because mm-hmm. that's what happened to the other guy. So, And there was right. also another, I don't have it here, but there was a plot that he, I believe he was sentenced to death as well. He planned to also assassinate several military um 
higher ranks and he had served at Fort Hood prior to this. I don't think he was at the time, but he plotted to also attack, make an attack on the Fort Hood base. So there's that. There are these two shootings. There's also an exercise incident with Lawrence George Sprater, and he had gone missing for four days while conducting an exercise for taste, like testing some basic mapping or map reading. And so what they did was they were testing their navigation skills, and on June 12, 2007, his body was found at around 8.30 p.m. in a brushy area located within the Central Texas Army Base training grounds. So he was actually found on the base, I believe. Mm-hmm. And according to the autopsy, he died from hypothermia. I keep seeing hyperthermia but i've also seen where they say heat stroke which would make more sense to me in texas right especially with this because the other thing that i've seen that's consistent it says dehydration on the autopsy so i've seen Mm -hmm. it's either hyperthermia or heat stroke and dehydration but i would i tend to believe that it was most likely the heat stroke if that's what happened to him um so according what was the date June 12th, 2007. It had to have been a heat stroke. Yeah. You can't mm-hmm. have hypothermia in Texas no. in June. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. That's a good point. Mm-mm. Sure couldn't. <laughs> it barely gets down to, what, 75 at night? Mm-hmm. Like... Barely. <laughs> Shit. It might be 80. Uh-huh. But according to an Army investigator or investigatory report, <laughs> they were... Um, there were a multitude of violations, judgment errors, and al- alleged acts of misconduct by Army trainers that not only contributed to Spader's death, but some 300 other soldiers in danger as well that day, including about two dozen who required medical attention. So he was not the only one who was suffering from dehydration or some sort of... Because that's what I'm assuming happened. Because you had two dozen who required medical attention after this mapping navigation skills training. Like, what what the fuck are y'all doing? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't understand why you have people dying and then other people being treated by medics after a navigations course. That's insane. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And so here is one other, the very last thing that I actually have. So a sexual assault prevention officer on the base of Fort Hood. His name was, or well, he was Sergeant First Class Gregory McQueen. And he was dishonorably discharged after pleading guilty to a dozen military charges for attempting to run a prostitution ring within the Fort Hood base. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he had a whole ass prostitution ring going on within the Mm -hmm. Fort Hood base. (laughs) Which is really telling about what the fuck is going on here. Because this is just ridiculous. Like, this should never, this should have never happened. He was a sexual assault prevention officer. 
and he was running a prostitution ring. What of in the Of course he was. Fuck? Hiding in plain sight. No, and that's, they love it. That's what they love to do, and we know that. We know that the bad guys like to be, what is it? What is the saying? I'm going to sound like a fucking idiot. I've had too much wine. It's like, <laughs> um, a wolf in sheep's clothing? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got it. Yay. <laughs> I had to dig. I had to dig. I had to find it in there. Yeah. So he was accused of recruiting cash strapped female soldiers to have sex with higher ranking officers. He would set up hotel rooms outside of the base for them to meet at and the deed would be done. And yeah, so there were several different women that testified against him and he was convicted of organizing the prostitution ring in March of 2015. So he was sentenced to 24 months in prison and was also stripped of his retirement and pay. Thank God, that's the very least that they could do. Right, exactly. I mean, because 24 months isn't that much for what he did. He was in a position of power and, you know, coerced these women. He did exactly, like, what he was there to prevent. I don't Mm -hmm. know. But that's how I always feel about sex crimes. I never feel like they go to jail for long enough. So just my opinion. I know. (laughs) But the story doesn't end there because Fort Hood also forgot to report his criminal background to the FBI. Because that's what you do. That's how, you know, when we all get our background checks, when we go to our little jobs or whatever, they look up our background checks. And apparently there's a database within the FBI that has all of the shit that we've done (laughs) within Mm -hmm. it. And they forgot to report to them, which allowed for Gregory McQueen and his wife to later foster abused and neglected children. Oh, my God. I know. So, I didn't read too much into it whether or not they actually abused and neglected them because I I just didn't want to know. I didn't want to know because I was like, you know what? I'm going to be even more mad at the military. And I don't think that that was even really brought up because I listened to several different uh, news reportings about it. So, Mm mm-hmm. Most people didn't talk about whether or not that was the case, and the children were removed from them, obviously, once they were found out, and the army has verified that, yes, they made a mistake, and they did not do what they were supposed to (laughs) by reporting him, so. Yeah. Ah, so Fort Hood's a fucking hot-ass mess. It sounds like it. Jeez. I know. I'm like, why do you have to be in Texas? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Give me this bad name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is going on? Someone from the army, they need some reform going on at that place because mm-hmm. there's something a little shady happening. Somebody I know has been there, but I can't think of who. But I know somebody has talked about it before. But hmm. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. I mean, it's I not know. surprising because, like I said, there were... Um, Oh, I actually didn't say this. I just read this. So I want to say that there's like 9,000 civilians that work on the base and there are mm-hmm. um, probably 200,000 or more soldiers actually living on the base, I think. Mm. Or maybe not. Maybe it's 145. I can't remember. I've seen several different numbers. So <laughs> I just still think, a lot. yeah, it's still a lot, whatever it is, but there's lots of land so i mean it Mm -hmm. makes sense it's fucking huge it's like an enormous compound it's its own little 
it could be a it could be like a cult compound it's like you know (laughs) big and just a bunch of people living there Ugh, and the atmosphere doesn't sound very good i wouldn't want to fucking live there Mm -mm. Mm -mm. i feel bad for like people who are in the military who have to live there you know if you had your family there i would be so afraid like yeah i would never let my wife and kids leave (laughs) i feel like just stay in the house like don't mm-hmm. go outside. One of these soldiers might try to take you or... God. Jesus. It's so sad that they even have to think about stuff like that. Right. But I guess it's kind of that way everywhere, even if it's not on a, a base. And you that's know? very You're... true, because when I'm in Walmart parking lot, I'm <laughs> scanning right. everywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, it's in all different shapes and forms. It's just sad, I think, that it's happening so often and so much at this military base in particular, you know? And then it hasn't, no one, nothing's really been done about it, I think is also the problem. Like, yeah. you know, if my Walmart that's up the street had three dead bodies found in the parking lot, I'm pretty sure it would be investigated, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and sure. like they would figure out what the fuck happened. But this military sure. base has had prostitution rings, shootings, mass, multiple mass shootings. Several people die within training, you know, courses, and then all of these dead bodies are happening because there was also, I believe, a flood, flooding incident that happened that killed several people at that base. Now, I don't know what the circumstances are of that because obviously, as you can tell, there are so many stories I could sit here and tell you. Mm hmm. I just couldn't go through all of them because we would be here forever and my brain was going to explode. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I had to stop. But yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, needs to be investigated. I'm happy we've talked about it to bring some awareness to it. Because, yeah, like I said, if my Walmart had three dead bodies, like somebody would do something and try to figure it out. Why aren't we trying to figure out what's happening to our troops? Right, exactly. Because they're important and they deserve to be protected because they're protecting us so we should protect them exactly That's how i feel about it <laughs> that whole base should be a safe space yes it really should for their families and for the soldiers and just anyone who visits there or lives there you know so definitely uh, okay guys well sorry that was kind of heavy but i think we had a fun little segment there where you know yeah kept it light but that's pretty much it for episode 14, guys. So we will see you next week and hope you all are, you know, not staying too dark during this time. <laughs> but definitely getting tipsy. Yes, because we are. <laughs> we are. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening.